Oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right, there we go. There we go. All right, so last week we started this series, and I had an important question for you to answer. And the question was, who are you really? Who are you really? You remember? And we talked last week that I... I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we knew that already. Yeah, we knew that. You, you keep reminding us, but you're not going to be in about one week. So um, <laughs> is that who you are really, though? You know, is that who you are really? And I, I have some other questions that come along with that. Does your job, does your job, like if you say, if someone introduces themselves to you and they say, oh, well, well tell me about yourself. What's the first thing you do? Do you say, Hi, my name is Chad, and I'm a pastor. I don't say well, you probably don't say that. That's right. That's right. You, you, you say, I'm, basically, I'm a doctor, right? Or, or, I don't know what you do. Whatever your profession is, is that what identifies you? Or do your kids, like your life revolves around your kids, and so your kids are the ones... Like you get your identity from them. And so when your kids are acting up or your kids aren't, aren't measuring up to the standard of which you think they should or you see somebody else's kids who are outperforming your kids, are you the type that is like, come on, you've got to put extra pressure on your kids so that they measure up? Right? Or... or uh, is your family, is, is that how you identify yourself? Like, I am, my last name is Barr. And so, you know, you, you remember whenever you were a kid, your, your kids used to say this, or did your parents used to say this to you? Remember who, who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember what your last name is. Do not embarrass all of us. Right? Do not do that. Well, that's a really good question, actually. Don't go out there and forget that you belong to a much, much larger and much more important family. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to, that you were bought at a price. Remember that. Remember that. And the price that was paid for you and for me was death on a cross. It was super expensive, right? The cost of a life. So remember that. Remember who you are. That's, that's the key. So the other question that I asked is, is it possible, is it possible to live a Christian life in this culture in which we live right now? Because it seems almost impossible. Like when we went to Texas and we were around different people, like the, the, the area is different, the way that they kind of do things is a little different, but it's still people, and we run into all kinds of different people, and is it possible to live a Christian life in the culture in which we live? Is it possible for a teenager to live a Christian life in the culture in which they live. Have you been to a high school? Have you been to a middle school? It's, they're nuts. They're like aliens from another planet. <laughs> That's right. They're crazy. So is it possible for you to identify as a believer where God has placed you? And what we decided last week is yes, it really is possible. It really is possible. And we started out by looking at this life of Daniel and uh, what he had to say. And the very, first, the very first topic was identity. Identity. Where do we find our identity? And hopefully what you decided last week is I, we find our identity in Jesus. In Jesus. And so this week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about purity. Purity. We're going to talk about purity. If you, want to, if you want to live 
a relevant Christian life without sacrificing the truths of the gospel, you first have to know your identity and then understand purity has a whole lot to do with it. Now, the very first thing that whenever I say purity, what's the first thing comes to your mind? Purity. I heard someone say water. That was Kirk's answer too when we talked about this. Water. The first thing that comes to my mind when we're talking about purity and the Bible and God and Jesus, the first thing that comes to my mind is sex. Is that God wants us to be pure. Sexually. Right? Well, it goes way, way, way deeper than that. Does it include that? Yes. But it goes way, way deeper than that. And what we're going to find out from Daniel is that it wasn't about sex at all. But it was about purity. And so I want to kind of dive right in. And you're going to find this in Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And then we're going to jump to verse 8 and go through 20. So if you want to, you can get out your Bible, try to look for Daniel, or you can just look up here, or you can, I have it on your listening guide. You can follow along right there. It says this, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So we talked about this last week a little bit, that they were, they were taken out of their culture, they were taken out of their homeland, and they were brought to this, this Babylonian way, and they were going to be taught and trained the Babylonian way, and they were going to be infiltrated with how the Babylonians did things. They were going to learn their culture, they were going to learn their, uh, um, their, their ways, and they were going to read Babylonian things, and they were going to be taught how to do the Babylonian way, and they were going to be even, they were even going to be given new Babylonian names. You remember last week? And so the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were trained for three years, and after that they were going to enter into the king's service because they needed to be trained in order to help the king. Right? And then starting in verse 8, it says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, I, I, I'm not very smart, but I looked up these two words, resolved and defile. And resolved, this is what it said, and I just copy and pasted, in it, you know, because, I mean, does anybody have a dictionary anymore? Like, we don't use books. We just look it up on Google, it tells you. So here's what it says. Firmly determined to do something firmly determined to do something. That's what resolved me. So when it said Daniel resolved, he firmly determined to do something. In other words, he drew a line in the sand and he said, I will never step over that. Ever. I don't care how much pressure you put on me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm drawing a line and that's it. Period. He firmly determined. In other words, just like Harry and I and now Kirk, we have firmly determined we're going to lose weight. Right? So, you can make me a chocolate cake. You feel free to. I am not eating it. <laughs> because I have firmly determined that I am going to lose weight because I got sick of myself. Looking in the mirror and I'm like Humpty Dumpty. And I'm tired of falling off the wall. Right? And so I have determined. I'm getting back to where I was before I began this overweight nonsense. And so I have determined. And I haven't touched a Dr. Pepper in since we started this. I don't know how, I even know, know how long it's been. Six weeks. Thank you. Who's counting? So six weeks. <laughs> Barbara's counting. I determined, I resolved, I, in my heart of hearts, I'm not drinking one. Have, have I been tempted? Yes. They've been in my house. Whenever we go out to eat, this morning, whenever I went to McDonald's, I, when I ordered, I said this, I'm going to take a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and a large, a large sweet tea. See, because it comes out so naturally, I take a large Dr. Pepper. That's what I used to always say. Right? And so I started to say large doc 
I stopped myself and I said, no, I don't want that. I want, doctor, I, I, I want tea. Right? Because I have resolved. I am not doing this. I am not. Have you ever resolved to do anything? Like, you got to the end of yourself and you're like, I am sick of this. You know what? I'm making a change. You ever been there? Right ever? Yeah. Yeah. I remember whenever I got saved. You know basically the reason why I got saved? Because I got tired of living a lie. I got tired of the same crap in my life. Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and thinking that I'm living the life. I wasn't living a life. I was living a lie. And I got to the end of that. And I said, you know what? I am done. I am done with this. I am not going back to that old life. You know what? You know what happened? I asked Jesus into my life, and you know what? I resolved that I was going to live according to Jesus. And I said, that old Chad, he is dead. You know what dead people can do? Nothing. They can't do anything. They're dead. Dead people don't move. And so I resolved in my heart, I'm following Jesus. Period. End of discussion. And, you know, I had people make fun of me. I had people say, oh, I remember the old Chad. There ain't no way you can do that. I resolved. He is dead. A new life has begun. And I am going to live accordingly. Have I had slip-ups? Of course. I'm not perfect. I still have a sinful nature. But I have resolved that I'm going to live accordingly. So I want to ask you, have you resolved to do the same thing? If not, what are you waiting for? I'm telling you the truth. Any other way, other than Jesus' way, leads to destruction. Every other way. There is only one way up the mountain of God. And it is through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I will never, ever, ever preach anything other than that. Ever. Buddha doesn't get you there. Allah doesn't get you there. There's only one way. According to John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Have you resolved in your heart that Jesus is the only way? And that you are going to say yes to him and no to every other way that leads to destruction? I want you to today. Draw a line in the sand. Resolve in your heart that that is what you're going to do. Because as our example from Daniel, he resolved in his heart not to eat the king's food and the wine. And you're going to find out why in just a minute. Synonyms for resolved are determined, hell-bent. <laughs> like that one. Intent, set. You set your mind. You, you, you are determined. And I know I am among some of the most determined. I know that. You guys work hard, right? You, you determine that you're going to provide for your family, so you work hard, no matter what it takes. You know? Ernie, 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 he's, I'm taking care of my family, and I don't care that I have to drive an Uber. And I'm going to pick up weirdos and strangers and... I'm going to Uber them. <laughs> you know what's cool about Ernie, though? He gets to meet all kinds of people from all walks of life, and he gets to be the light. That's a pretty cool little thing. But you have to kind of be determined to do that. You kind of have to be, you have to have it resolved in your heart and in your mind that you're a disciple of Jesus. 
and you want to try to point other people to Him, no matter what you do, no matter what you do. The other word that I looked up was defile, because I'm not very smart. I think I knew, I thought I knew what that meant. And it means to sully or mar or spoil. I still don't know what sully means or mar, but I do know what spoil means, right? Spoil, defile, it means like it's gross, right? Like you leave some, you leave some meat in the, in the refrigerator for a little bit too long. And, and what do you do with it? Oh, you just cook it up and eat it, right? Ooh. You're like, you, you open it up and it's got that smell? You, you know the, you, oh, you know the smell, right? And like, <laughs> it's disgusting, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just disgusting. It is spoiled. And if you eat it, you're going to get sick, right? Because it is no good. Well, that's what defile means. And, it, and they had some examples. The land was defiled by a previous owner, so it was spoiled. It was, it was marred. It, was, it wasn't good. So synonyms are spoil, solely mar, impair, deba- debase, debase, and degrade. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't even know what debase means. But de- degrade, to defile something is to, to, to de- desecrate or profane something sacred. Something sacred. Can I ask you a question? Are you sacred? Yeah, you are. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've said yes to Him, you're, the, you're God's temple. That makes you sacred. That makes you something of worth. Like a big worth. Daniel knew that. Daniel knew that he had some worth to him because... He was a Jew and he was part of God's people. And if he ate from the king's table and drank the wine from the king's table, it would defile him. It would desecrate or profane something sacred. Him. And the reason is because it will be offered up to idols before it ever got to him. See, that was the problem. The problem was at the king's table, it would be offered up to the idols, offered up to false gods, before it ever reached Daniel. And Daniel said, I can't eat that. I can't drink that. I have resolved in my heart, I will not. And I don't care what the consequences are. I don't know what they'll be, but I don't care. I will not. Because it will defile something sacred. It will defile me. And I don't care what everybody else does either. Because everybody else is going to eat and drink and be happy. They think. But Daniel knows better. And he wants to be somebody that God can use. He wants to be somebody who can live in a culture and be himself and be the follower of, of God that, he, that God so wants us to be. And if he really wants to be that, then he can't eat this or drink that. It would make him unpure. And we're talking about purity today. So, have you resolved to live a life worthy of the name that you represent? No matter the circumstances, no matter where you live, no matter the culture in which you are a part, has it, have you resolved that? If not, You'll just be like everybody else. Anybody in here just want to be like everybody else? <laughs> That's no fun. Is it? Like just looking and being like everybody else? You know what's fun? Is being yourself. That's fun. Being you. Being unique. That's fun. 
being who God wants you to be. That's fun. But you have to be resolved. You have to resolve it in your head that you want to live a life worthy of the name that you represent. Question is, do you? Now, here's a good quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She says, If your goal is purity of heart, be prepared to be thought of very odd. <laughs> very, you will be very odd to people. You, you won't make a lick of sense to other people. Because everybody else is going down this road, right? Everybody else wants you to do this. Everybody else wants to party. And everybody else wants to have sex with whoever they want to. And everybody else, they just want to be a part of the world. And if your goal is purity of heart, my friends, you will be so strange. You will be so weird to others. They won't understand you. You will stick out like a sore thumb. You know what's cool about sticking out like a sore thumb? <laughs> People will go, how come you're not like everybody else? How come you don't do what everybody else does? You can come to the same things I go to, but you don't participate in the things that everybody else does. Why not? You know what that does? That opens up a gigantic door for you to just bust on through and be like, it's because of Jesus. And let me tell you, you can do it too. It's just an open door. Some people say, I don't know how to evangelize. I promise, if you want to have a pure heart and you have, you have resolved in your heart that you're not going to do this kind of stuff, people will start asking questions. And when they start asking questions, you just answer the questions. Jesus. You give them the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Right? He's the answer to all questions. And so you can just evangelize away by living different. By living different. He goes on. He says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Now you know what I find interesting about this? That God caused it. These people, <laughs> the Babylonians thought they were in control. The world thinks that they're in control of how things go. Presidents, you know, they're in control of how things go. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not in control of nothing. God has the world in His hands. He's in control of how things work out. Just like here. God was in control of all of this. And God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel because he didn't understand Daniel. And so he said, but the official told Daniel, even though God caused him to show favor to Daniel, now remember who he is. He's a Babylonian. And he works for the king. And whatever the king says, happens. Or else. Right? But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who, was assigned, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So, Yes, man, I like you, right? I, I think you are the man. But am I going to put my life on the line for you? I don't think so. <laughs> nah, no offense to you because you're, you're a good guy. I like you. But if you don't eat and you don't drink, you're going to start to look like dilapidated. Is that, is that a real word? Sweet. <laughs> you're going to start to look way too skinny. You're going to start to look much different than all these other young men who the king has chosen. And do you remember from last week who the king chose? He chose the best of the best. Do you remember? He chose like the ones that looked the strongest and they were handsome. Remember how the Bible was describing me last week? You, okay, I, I knew y'all would remember that. And so, handsome, that's right. And so, uh, but if you don't eat or drink, you're going to start to look like Mac. 
<laughs> and 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 we, you don't want to do that, right? And so um, here's what happened. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Put us to the test. Let us not eat this stuff or drink this stuff. Put us to the test for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, that's crazy talk. <laughs> this is nuts. I, you would never hear me say this. <laughs> I'm from Texas, right? We eat beef. Beef and potatoes. I mean, that's, that's what we eat. But here, Daniel's like, give us nothing but vegetables and water. And just see if we look any different, if we, if we can't hold up our own, just test us and see what happens. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. You know, because they're going to get fat. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Put us to the test. Really, who is he putting to the test? He's putting God to the test. And then just treat us accordingly. If, if, we, don't, if we don't make the grade, treat us however you want. <laughs> so the guy said, okay, okay, we'll do this. We'll do this test for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier <laughs> and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the king's royal food. At the end of the test, they looked better. They looked stronger. Why? Because God blessed them is exactly right. Because when you resolve to live like God wants you to live? <laughs> God has something to work with. And God wants to bless you. And He wants to work in your life. And He, and, and he did. Here. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And this helped him in the long run. If you keep on reading in Daniel. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into a service, how long was that? Three years. At the end of the three years, the chief official presented them to King Nebi. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. This would be baffling to the king. How is this possible? How is this possible? So the big idea here is this. Daniel chose purity when everyone else was following the crowd. And God blessed him as a result. He chose purity when everybody else was following the crowd. Which one will you choose? Will you choose the crowd? Or will you choose to follow God? I know that that answer in this place right now is real simple, isn't it? Isn't it simple here in this place? It's like, oh, I'll follow God. And then tomorrow happens. And Tuesday happens. All the way up till Friday. And you don't look much different than the crowd. 
Because it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to not follow the crowd. It's difficult when everybody else seems to be going down this road. And you know the Bible talks about this, the two roads. One is wide, and there's a lot on it. But the way of God, the road is smaller. And you remember, do you know what the Bible says about that road? Few find it. Few. Easy to follow the crowd, hard to follow God. Monday through Saturday. Will you resolve in your heart? Resolve it. Be determined. Fight against it. Fight against the crowd. Fight against that natural inclination to follow them. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? Or do you want God to be against you? Because following the crowd means you're, you love the world. And a lover of the world is an enemy to God. That's, that's not a good place to be at all. Right? So which one are you going to choose? If we walk in purity before the Lord, we will walk in the power of His presence. And that's where, that's where the fun is. When you get to walk in the power of God's presence, that's where life is. Real life. The life that God wants for us. The, one, the kind that Daniel was able to walk in. So whenever they presented him to the fiery furnace, he was like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. This is going to be nothing. I may get burnt up in here, but you know what? I get to be with Jesus. So burn me up. I don't care. When you resolve in your heart to follow God's way, that's, what, that's the way it is. Because you get to walk in the power of His presence. So Daniel and his buddies, they were considered the whole package. They had it all. The good looks, the intelligence, the, the book smarts, the street smarts. They, had, they were the whole package. They were the whole kit and caboodle, right? <laughs> they were handsome. They were smart. They were pleasing in every way. That's in verse 4. But when they decided to set themselves apart and be pure according to God's Word, they experienced something even better than natural gifts and talents. You see, everybody has some natural gifts and talents, right? Some people are good at sports, some people aren't. Some people are book smart, some people are street smart. And that's fine, that's good, that's, I'm happy for you. But when you resolve and you decide you're going to live God's way, you get to experience something even way, way, way better than that. Because God gives you these spiritual gifts. And you get to live in that power and in that presence. And oh man, when you get to live like that, <laughs> I mean, hitting a baseball, that's good and fine and dandy. But there isn't anything better than living through the power of God. They walked in God's presence, and as a result, He imparted to them supernatural wisdom. See, they were already smart, right? You remember? They already had the intelligence. They were already naturally smart. But God gave them supernatural wisdom. So He was able to interpret dreams, and He was able to have this supernatural wisdom that doesn't come with just being naturally smart. He got extra smart. And he got an ability to discern things in the natural as well as in the spiritual realm as well. Verse 17. Consequently, they received favor from the king of Babylon and entered into positions of influence. They were able to influence the Babylonians in a godly way as opposed to just the Babylonian way. Yeah, they were smart, but God supernaturally 
gave them something better. So sometimes the idea of purity can make us think of just saying no to everything. No to sex, no to drinking, no to immorality, no to everything popular. Right? And, we be, and this, it becomes this, like, rule book. We, got, but we just can't have any fun. God wants to take all fun out of our life. Right? I want you to think of it as something different. I want you to think of it like this. Another way to think about purity is that we get to say a really huge, very big yes. Instead of saying no to this and no to that and I can't do this and I can't do that because God is against having fun. No, no. God wants us to say yes. And when we say yes to Him, God gets to do something in us that is way better than any of those no's. We get to start to really live life. And again, I want you to understand, I have lived apart from God. I have chased girls, I have chased alcohol, I have chased money, I have chased all those stupid things. I've done it. You know what it led to? Death. Death. Death to relationships that I didn't want to die. Death to friendships. Death to Chad. It's killing me. And you know it. And you get to the end of yourself and you're like, what was I, what am I doing? What am I doing? This has led me to nowhere. But when we resolve to live according to God and we say yes to Him, yes to His ways, yes, 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 when we get to do that, life starts to really happen. And because of our biggest and most important yes, we can say no to the things that conflict with our heart's desire. So, my heart's desire before I came to Jesus was chasing the world's idea of the American dream. I can have it. I can do it. I can, I can do what I want, with who I want, how I want, anytime I want. That's the American dream, isn't it? And I can get rich and I can have all these things and I can have a bunch of houses and I can have a bunch of things in the houses and I can have women all over the world and I can do I can have it all but when I said yes to Jesus and I started to read this book and I get to Romans chapter 12 and it says do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and I, my mind starts to change. The, my thinking starts to change on how, what, life, what life is, how life is supposed to be, what's really important. Whenever my mind starts to change, my heart starts to change. And my desires of my heart starts to change. And whenever I said yes to Him and no to everything else that wasn't really that important, whenever... I have a conflict with my heart's desire. Like, oh my gosh, this looks so enticing. This looks so good. Because my old self would have ran directly to it. And it's, it's calling my name. It's like, Chad, come here. Come closer. Just, you don't have to partake in everything. Just stick a little finger in there. Just, just put your foot in there. Listen, when you start to let the devil have a little foothold, he got you. So I can start to say, no thanks. <laughs> and it becomes easier and easier and easier whenever something is a conflict to my heart's desire because my heart has now changed. Man, my heart's desire is to follow Jesus. And whenever this is calling my name, I go, no. No, I know where that leads. And I'm not going there. But you know why? Because I have resolved it. Resolved it. Purity isn't just about sex, although it does include that. Purity is an outward expression of the heart's attitude towards God. It's an, it's an outward expression of our heart's desire. That's what it is.
So purity isn't perfection, though, but it is an honest heart before God. So when you do slip up, when you do, when you do compromise, and you slip up, you realize it. You know why you realize it? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when the Holy Spirit lives in you, He convicts you of sin. And so whenever you do something wrong, there's, you feel it in your heart. And when you start to feel it, you confess it. And when you confess it, you repent. And when you repent, God blesses. Because He is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. He remembers it no more as far as the east is from the west. It is dealt with. It is done. You don't have to keep dragging it around. You can let it go. So it's not perfection. But it is an honest heart before God. So in all honesty, before God, have you resolved in your heart to follow Him? I hope so. Daniel refused to participate in eating the food from the king's table because it was offered first to idols, an action strictly prohibited by God's word. He had the courage. So just because something is prohibited by God's word, right? Just because it is prohibited, does it make it easy? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Because we were sinful people. We still have the sinful nature in us. And just because it is prohibited, and just because this says, just because this says, hey, don't eat this. Or, hey, no sex before marriage. Or, hey, don't, 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 don't drink until you're drunk. Just because it says it doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it easy at all. It takes real courage to act on your convictions. When everybody else is choosing the other way, it takes real courage to say, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean I have to. When, when, when someone does something to me that I don't like, and they, they sin against me, you know, it's real easy for me to just be like, you know what, I hate you. You are no longer alive to me. You're dead to me. Because isn't that what everybody else would do? But God tells us to love our enemies. To bless them. It takes real courage to do that. It's difficult to do that. But when you have the courage to act on your convictions, even if you're not sure what the consequences are, just like Daniel, God has an opportunity to use you in ways you've never been used before. Daniel walked in purity because he walked in integrity, and so can we. So can we. In Psalm 24 it says this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? That's a good question. Who can come before the Lord? That's what that's asking. Who can come before the Lord? Because you're sinful, I'm sinful, God can't be around sin, and so who can, who can ascend the mountain of God? Who may stand in His holy place? Who? Can you? Can I? I want to. I want to stand in, in the holy place. I want to stand before God. I want to be like, hey God, listen, I know I mess up. God, can you, can you forgive me? Can you, can you be, even be a part of me? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Now i got a real quick question. Anybody in here have clean hands and a pure heart? Anybody? Anybody? Chirp, chirp. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> but we got this sin thing in us. I don't think we can. So... Who 
can be in the presence of God. If none of us have a pure, if none of us have a pure heart or clean hands, who can stand in the presence of a holy, perfect God? Well, everybody who has resolved in their heart that Jesus is their Savior and their Lord. You see, because when you do that, now God doesn't really necessarily see you as a sinful person because the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. He has made your hands clean. He has made your heart pure. And now you can stand in the presence of a holy God. But you have to keep on doing it. You have to keep living that life. And when you mess up, it is required for us to repent. It is required. I know that's difficult, isn't it? Because everybody may know, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with him or her. <laughs> you know what I say to all that? I don't care if you know there's something wrong with me. You're not more important than God is to me. And I'm going to make my heart right. I'm going to repent of the sins that I have. And we need to do that on a very regular basis. Very regular basis. I know every single week we come up here, we have this last song. And everybody just sits there and stands there and sings and looks all innocent. <laughs> when I know, I know that's not always true. And I know the band, they have a job to do during that time. And I know you don't have to do that here. I know you don't have to repent here. I know you don't have to ask God for forgiveness here. You can do that wherever you want. You can do that at your seat. You can do that at home. You can do that out on the street. You can do that wherever you want. But listen, we are a family. We are a family. And when someone hurts, we all hurt. And when someone rejoices, we all rejoice. And so what better way what better place to get right when you have family around? That's the best place to do it. So I want to challenge you today. I don't know where you are with your relationship with God. I don't know how pure your life is. I have no idea. But I want you today to draw a line in the sand and say, I have resolved. I'm going to live according to God's ways as best as I can. And when I fall, I have people, family around me to help me get back up. I have people, family around to rejoice when I do it right. Like we get to go, let's go! With each other. It's the best place to do it. So in Psalm 24, to know His presence, however, is to ascend a hill or a mountain. And doing so is always a struggle. <laughs> Carrie and I can attest to this. Going up a mountain is difficult. <laughs> it's a struggle. The struggle is real. As young people like to say. The struggle is real. But we must repent, seeking a clear conscience. And we must know our idols and reject them. And you must wrestle in prayer to seek God's face as Jacob did. We need to address practical ways to pursue purity. What sources, what, what gets in our way of purity? What gets in our way? We need to identify them. We need to say, this gets in my way. This trips me up. This entices me. This is a temptation. We need to identify them. Uh, and, th and then what we need to do is be sensitive to God's presence because, because the media certainly is no help in this process. The media is no help in this process to figure out what entices us because it's, it's all craziness. 
You, you can barely go to a movie nowadays and not have a sex scene in it. You just can't. So when that happens, what do you do? Sit there and go, oh, that, that's nice. <laughs> right? Or, oh, this doesn't affect me at all. Liar. You're a liar. It does. It affects purity. We need to be very, very sensitive to what comes in here and what comes in here. Because what comes in here and here travel to here. And what travels here comes out here. <laughs> it's an overflow of the heart. So we need to be sensitive to God's presence as we watch movies, as we watch television shows, as we listen to music, as we listen to the news, as we watch that. We need to be very, very sensitive to God's presence in that. So, so, you need to resolve it. Whenever this happens, I'm at the movies. And I, I start to see things I shouldn't see. That's a great time to go to the bathroom. It's a great time to go get popcorn. It's a great time to just get up and get out. Get up and get out. And do you know that you are never, you never, ever, ever will grow out of the need to protect your heart from the snares of sin? We talk about it to the teens. We talk about it a lot. I used to talk about it a lot. To protect them. To, they need to be protective of their heart. Don't give your heart away too soon. It's not a teenage problem. It's a everybody problem. It's an everybody problem. That we need to protect ourselves and our hearts from the snares of sin. We need to ask ourselves, does this message contradict the truths of the Bible? And if it does, we need to do something about it. Move, get out, leave. Does this honor God and what He wants to accomplish in my life? We need to ask those types of questions because our hearts matter and we want to be pure. So my last, my last question. Have you resolved?